It's divisional round of the playoffs, and James Harden traded to the Nets. It's win or lose. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Win or Lose. Thanks for joining me. We got big news, baby. Big news. James Harden got his wish. He was straight out of Houston. He's not a Brooklyn net. He wants this, I think, a couple of weeks before the season started. And it's finally official. James Harden, a Brooklyn net. Wow. They're going to be tough. Let's let's take a look at James, uh, looking back at his uh, career in Houston. I mean, he went to Houston and became a bona fide Hall of Famer. I mean, 2018 MVP, you know, three scoring titles, eight-time NBA All-Star, six-time All-NBA First Team. He built together a Hall of Fame resume. And, I mean... I think James kind of, you know, I think the Rockets uh, window closed a couple years ago and James has had enough. But, I mean, I don't think, uh, I think the organization did everything they can and everything they could to try to, you know, get a winner there. It just, it just didn't, just didn't come together. Just wasn't meant to be. And, you know, some of that is James's fault. We got to take a look back at, you know, some of his histories in the playoffs with the Rockets. I mean, he did get to two Western Conference Finals. But he also had, like I said, he had a lot of failures in those moments. And we can go back to, you know, 2017 against the Spurs, you know, a game six at home where James only had 10 points and they lost by 39 points to get eliminated with Kawhi Leonard injured and not even playing for the Spurs. But and then later that night, after getting eliminated by the Spurs, James is seen, you know, at a strip club, you know, was there to make it on time and see Peaches and Diamonds performance that night. So that kind of was a bad look. Then the year after that, 2018, they up, you know, 3-2 and they just couldn't close the Warriors out. I mean, granted, they did lose Chris Paul, but I think they had opportunity to win that game seven. When you jack up and miss 27 straight threes, that means James being the guy, he's got to get to the hole. He's got to do other things. I think he could have got them home. And then the year after that, when uh, when I really thought the window closed, was when KD got hurt and they still lost to the Warriors. I mean, James had to close that out, and he didn't. So he's had his failures with all the, you know, with everything he did do positive in Houston. He did have his failures in the playoffs, and every, it, I think it just ran his course. And at this stage of the game, Houston's not a championship contender. They traded Russell Westbrook. I think James just wants to go somewhere where he can win, and it's to Brooklyn, and it's it's going to be interesting. I think the Rockets did everything to surround James with players. I mean, I really do. I think they brought Dwight Howard in. They brought Chris Paul in. They brought Russell Westbrook in. They had three-point shooters around them. They brought P.J. Tucker in so he can guard the best perimeter player on defense. I just think it was, you know, bad coaching philosophy. You know, I'm just – I'm just not a fan of Mike D'Antoni. I just don't think he has, like, the philosophy to win a championship. Uh, I mean, I think I've been proven to be right with Mike D'Antoni. I mean, on the court, they're going to be, you know, he's going to be great with the 
on the offensive side of the ball, but the team is always bad in defense. It was too much isolation ball with James just dribbling and everybody just standing around, looking around. And last year they had no big man. It's like, what is this, a six and under league in the NBA? Just no playing with no big man? I, I just didn't like that. It's just a lot of things I feel like with Mike D'Antoni that really didn't get the Rockets over the hump because I feel like they had the pieces. And if James delivered in those key moments, they could have got over the hump. So it's uh it's off to Brooklyn now. So we'll see how that is now. You know, Steve Nash to me is you know kind of like Mike D'Antoni, kind of nice and kind of a you know push. Will he be a pushover? I feel like. The way things have happened kind of with Kyrie Irving now where he just pulled his disappearing act. I mean, could he would he have done that with another coach? So that's kind of like a a bad, you know, a bad sign right there. Kyrie's disappeared. He's supposed to be back later this week or sometime next week. So I mean James is a guy who, you know, they've said is was late, late to late to, you know, the plane rides and, you know, showed up late to practice and partied the night before. So, I mean, if he sees Kyrie, hey, well, he's doing it. Well, how come I can't do it? So I, I don't know how that's going to work out. I want to see Steve, how Steve Nash handles these guys and and how everything works out. But like I said, Kyrie leaving with no conversation with the coach. I mean, it, it, takes, it kind of leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And I want to see how Steve Nash brings all these guys together. So it's going to be interesting. Like I said, on the court, they're going to be off- amazing offensively. You know, three guys that I don't know. Can they, will they be happy? It seems like these three guys, that much as you give around them, they still not hard to please. So it's going to be interesting to see will all three of them kind of winning, will that overcome and kind of make everybody happy. But is it going to be, I want the credit. Oh, I deserve the credit. I think it's just at this stage of everybody's career, just coming together and winning championships. That should be the most important thing. I think KD is good enough to overcome this. But are they going to dribble him out of the offense? How's the offense going to work? Is it going to be isolation ball? You play one play, you get a play, I play a play. And how's the defense going to be with Steve Nash and Dan Tony? It's like I said, it's going to be a lot of things that's going to be interesting. Is James willing to change? I mean, he has, like I said, he has three scoring titles. He's one of the best players in the league. He hasn't been in this role since Oklahoma City, where he might some nights be the second option, some night he might be the third option. How is he going? How is he going to put up with that? It's going to be interesting to see that. So it's a lot of things that went into this trade. I think Durant and Harden kind of wanted this all along. Maybe this is an insurance just in case Kyrie goes off the rocker again. I don't know, but the Rockets, uh, they get eight draft picks, four first round draft picks and four unprotected first round draft picks from Brooklyn. Uh, so that means like they get, they definitely get four first round picks and then four unprotected so they can swap out if they happen to have a better record than the Nets, they'll get the lower of the draft, the higher of the draft picks. So you got, uh, uh, it was a four-team deal, so Karis LeVert went to Houston, but then they shipped him to Indiana for Victor Oladipo. So Oladipo comes to Houston, Karis LeVert to the Pacers, and then the Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince, two of their best defenders. So Nets gave up a lot 
So I think they're in win mode now. Anything less to a trip to the finals, I think is a failure. It's going to be fun to watch. Let's see how the new big three plays in the NBA. Let's see. Very fascinating. I can't wait to watch Brooklyn Nets basketball. Best week in football to me, baby. It's divisional round. The two teams who had the buys last week will be in action. Let's talk about it. First game on Saturday, Green Bay Packers hosting the Los Angeles Rams. This is going to be a good game. I think the Rams have the defense to compete with Green Bay's offense. Can they get to Rodgers? That's going to be the big key. Aaron Donald has some real problems. They say he's good to go. I think the Rams can run the ball and control the clock with Cam Akers. The offensive line is solid. But my thing is with Jared Goff. He broke his thumb a couple of weeks ago. I know he's not 100%, but can he avoid the turnovers and avoid the mistakes? To me, that has been the Rams, like really their Achilles heel this year. Is When Goff plays bad and turns the ball all over the place, sometimes they just can't make up for that. They just put, Sometimes he puts them in a hole so bad that sometimes they can't make up for that. They got the talent. But if he comes out here and plays well and, you know, they use some time of possession and everything goes right, the Rams could steal this game. But I feel like the Rams defense really hasn't been challenged against an offense like Green Bay this year. So it's going to be interesting. You got a West Coast team flying in the Midwest, cold, and they're not used to this. We'll see how they adjust to the weather. This should be a good game. Packers coming off the bye. At home, January cold. I kind of like. I'm kind of leaning towards Green Bay to win this game, and I just I don't completely trust Jared Goff. Especially, I didn't trust him when he had a healthy thumb. Now that it's broke, I really don't trust him. So I'm gonna take Green Bay to win this game, 31 to 20. I think Goff's gonna turn the ball over a couple of times. Rams defense is gonna hang in there, but I think Rodgers is gonna make just enough plays to hold them off. I got Green Bay winning this game, 31 to 20. The Saturday night game, we got the Buffalo Bills hosting the Baltimore Ravens. This is going to be a good game, another cold-weather game, two teams getting out there and going at it. Baltimore, like, showed me something last week, going up to Tennessee and punching them in the mouth, getting their revenge from losing from them last week. So Lamar finally got that taste in his mouth, you know, finally got that taste of what it's like to win a playoff game. I I think it carries on this week. I think Buffalo got a lot of breaks last week. The coach kind of, in my opinion, handed them that game instead of them actually going out there and taking it. I think Baltimore should be able to move the ball against, I think the Bills' defense is average at best. And I feel like Baltimore is starting to catch their groove at the right time. You know, you always got that, every year you got that team that kind of struggled a little bit, but towards the end of the season, they start to get their groove going into the playoffs and, and start playing good ball. I think that's, this year, I think that's Baltimore. I think Baltimore is playing good at the right time. I think they can get some pressure on Josh Allen. He will make a mistake. You just got to capitalize on it. He will throw you the ball. You just got to catch it. I think Baltimore will get a couple of turnovers. I think they will, you know, control the line of scrimmage, run the ball, keep the Bills offense off the field. And I think they'll win a good game. I got Baltimore beating the Buffalo Bills 24 to 20. Let's go to Sunday's games. We got the Cleveland Browns at the Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland coming off that big win. Might be one of their biggest wins since they've come back to Cleveland 
in 1999. First playoff win in, since 1994. And they really jacked up. So I was, I'm wondering how they're going to handle, like, okay, like you didn't win the Super Bowl. You still got to come back and play next week. You know, are they still high on that emotions of finally beating their big brother, the Pittsburgh Steelers, in the playoffs, finally winning in Pittsburgh, getting that monkey off their back? I don't know. You got a sleeping giant at home just waiting for you. Kansas City coming off a bye. They had some rest. Nicked up injuries are healed now. I think this is a tough ask for a young Cleveland team who I feel like, like to me, their they accomplishment was just getting in the playoffs and winning the game. Are they happy? They kind of celebrated last week in Pittsburgh like it was the Super Bowl. Are they? Can they get just as up high for the Chiefs as they did for the Steelers last week? That might be too much to ask for. I got Kansas City winning this game. I'm going to go 38 to 20. I think they're just too much for Cleveland's defense who, like, I don't know if they can keep up once this Chiefs offense gets going and they got to get behind. And Are they going to still be able to run the ball? And That's Cleveland's strength is running the ball. But I feel like Kansas City's going to come out and jump on them early, take the running game away and make Baker Mayfield beat you. Can he do it? I don't know if I like Baker Mayfield in the shootout with Patrick Mahomes. I like the Chiefs winning this game again, 38-20 to 20 and moving on. And the last game of the the weekend, you got Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints, Brady and Breeze. You know they're going to save this one for the late game on Sunday. They already played twice this year. Saints have beat them both times and beat them pretty good both times. Buccaneers were still trying to get up, you know, try to get their thing together, trying to build the chemistry. The first game of the season, so I kind of, you know, kind of don't, you know, hold that against them. But the second game, the Sunday night game, New Orleans just dominated them from the beginning to the end. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, does New Orleans have a number? I just think the playoffs are kind of a different story. I think like Tampa Bay's coming on strong. I think the third time will be the charm. I think Tampa Bay will go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. I don't like the way Drew Brees has been playing. He looks like he's got one foot in and one foot out. I think he's already ready to retire. Uh, they they didn't play well last week against the Bears. They won because the Bears' offense is just so pathetic that, I mean, you just, I think I could have won that game last week. I think Tampa Bay's coming together at the right time. I think New Orleans' defense can be picked on. You give Brady some time and able to throw with those receivers he got – I think he can get some things done here. I got Tampa Bay winning this game 30 to 27. Got the Buccaneers winning in New Orleans. And that's my predictions for the divisional round. I can't wait to watch. Let's give out some awards. NFL regular season is over. Let's talk about some of these awards we're going to give out. Let's start off with the MVP. I think it's a two-man race between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. You know how the NFL is right now. The MVP is basically a quarterback award. What quarterback had the best year? What quarterback team did well enough? That's how it is nowadays. Don't don't shoot the messenger. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers could be, if there was a most improved player award from what he did last year to this year, I think Aaron Rodgers, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, 4,300 yards passing, 
70% completions. Green Bay 13 and 3. He's really had maybe one half of bad football all year. Green Bay has been solid. And number one seed in the NFC. And I think Aaron's the reason. But Patrick Mahomes also has been amazing. 14 and 1 in the games he's played. 38 touchdowns. 4,700 yards passing. It could go either way. But I think I think it's kind of sentimental award also. I think Aaron has had such a good year. I think he's going to win it again. But like I said, it's a toss up. I wouldn't I wouldn't be, you know, upset with whoever got it. But I'm going to go with my prediction wise. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to win the award. I think they're going to give it to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Offensive player of the year. This is really the award that if you're not a quarterback, you have a chance to win. You might as well shoot for this one because the MVP is, like I said, strictly quarterback now. Offensive player of the year. I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's led the Saints in rushing. He led them in receiving. He had 21 touchdowns, 16 rushing and five receiving. I mean, he carried the offense this year with Michael Thomas being out majority of the year with his injury. And, I mean, like I said, it was nothing he didn't do catching, running. I think Alvin Kamara deserves it. You can also go with Derrick Henry, who had over 2,000 yards rushing. You know, being that main guy for Tennessee, Stephon Diggs, 127 catches, 1,500 yards receiving. It's been so much. Offense has taken over the NFL. There's been so many guys I can put in this category, but I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. Uh, Defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with T.J. Watt. I thought T.J. Watt should have won last year, but uh, he definitely should win this year. 15 sacks. He led the league in sacks and tackles for loss, uh, quarterback hits. He really led one of the best defenses in the league, Pittsburgh still. They had a lot of injuries, you know, to Bud Dupree and Devin Bush got hurt. So they started losing a lot of key players towards the end of the season. That's why they didn't look as good as they did earlier in the season. But Aaron Donald could be considered Xavier Howard, 10 interceptions for the Dolphins. But I'm going to go with T.J. Watt as the defensive player of the year. Offensive rookie of the year. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. Even though I love Justin Herbert, quarterback for the Chargers, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson because he held quarterbacks win every damn thing. Uh, 88 catches, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns. I mean, it almost made the Vikings look like, hey, we didn't feel bad about giving up Diggs because he filled in just nicely and did his thing, and I was really impressed with his season. I didn't expect him to be this good coming out of LSU, but he definitely put on a great show. Had a hell of a year. But like I said, Justin Herbert, 4,300 yards passing, 31 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, and playing with a conservative head coach. I mean, you can't ignore those numbers from a rookie. But I'm going to give it to Jefferson. A defensive rookie of the year, uh, Chase Young, uh, seven and a half sacks. You know, he three forced fumbles. He scored a defensive touchdown. He really, I just really see him getting better. Like, to me, he is... He's kind of like what we thought Jadavion Clowney would be. You know, he's definitely a player to be reckoned with. I wouldn't be surprised to see him winning defensive player of the year down the line. This guy's going to be great. A comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, just the fact that he's even out there. I don't think Alex Smith's going to play maybe maybe one more year, but I think he's going to retire. But just the fact that he was out there with that nasty leg injury, he could have lost his leg. Some said he could have lost his life. Just the fact that he was even out there to play again and actually win games and win a division, I mean, you can't say enough about that. Comeback player of the year, Alex Smith. And coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski. I'm going with Kevin Stefanski 
from the Cleveland Browns. I mean, just a big difference from last year to this year. They don't talk as much. They strictly a running team. We know what we are, that we're a running team. You know, Baker doesn't make as many mistakes. And like I said, they don't talk as much. They just you know, handle their business. They go out there and, you know, put a put good product on the field. And I like what I'm seeing from Stefanski, Brian Flores for the Dolphins. I also liked him. It's a lot of good coaches in the league, but the way Stefanski has turned the Browns around, I think he should be your coach of the year. All right, it was seven coaching vacancies when the NFL regular season ended and uh, three have since been filled. The big name, uh, Urban Meyer, is now going to be the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars after they finally let Doug Marone go. He's had more chances than Cardi B's husband. They finally let him go. And they brought in Urban Meyer, former head coach at Ohio State and Florida. He's from the around the area. He's from the Florida area. So this was a good opportunity for, for Urban. They got the first pick in the draft, which they'll take Trevor Lawrence, so they'll have their quarterback. And they got cap money to bring free agents in. And I think Urban is going to get this taken care of, you know. You know what Urban does. He comes in and he just kind of cleans up your mess. Now, Urban's not going to be there long term. We know how Urban does. We know his track record. You know, give him about four or five years. He'll come in and get it taken care of. And then he'll move on to his next challenge. I mean, Urban, you know, he's going to hit it and quit it. Urban's going to come in there, take care of business, and he's gone. Urban, you want to stay for breakfast? No. Urban, you want to cuddle and talk? No. Come in here and do what I do and move on to, to my next to my next challenge. And, and that's one thing I appreciate about him and respect. He's going he's definitely gonna turn the Jaguars around. They'll be contenders within the next couple of years, I think. And I think it's a good hire. You know, it's kind of different though college to the NFL so I kind of want to see how he makes the adjustments and what kind of coaching staff he builds around him but Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars I like to hire of the New York Jets just hired uh Robert Sala defensive coordinator for the 49ers I like Robert Sala I don't know if I like Robert Sala for the Jets I mean the Jets just seem like they just can't do nothing right seem like a cursed franchise right now and I don't want this to mess up his you know his coaching career before it even starts he did a good job getting the San Francisco 49ers defense back on track. Before he got there, they were like one of the worst defense in the league, and they've been a top five defense ever since he's been there. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets put around him, you know, to make him, you know, are they going to draft well? What are they going to do with the quarterback? Is Darnold going to be the guy? But I'm glad to see him finally get his opportunity because I think he should have been hired and been a coach years ago. Uh, you got Arthur Smith going to Atlanta. Offensive coordinator from Tennessee. Uh, these offensive coordinators from Tennessee been getting hired lately. Got Smith going to Atlanta. And then Green Bay hired Matt LaFleur two years ago. We'll see how it goes. See if he can revive Matt Ryan's career, who hasn't been the same since Kyle Shanahan left. He revived and got uh, Ryan Tannehill right. So we'll see how that goes. And it's uh, so it's uh, four, four coaching uh, jobs still available. And I'm going to give you my four, uh, the four, which who I think is the best from the best to worst as far as I think the best available job left is the Chargers. I think you got a nice roster. 
They just lost too many close games. And I think that just came down to coaching. Anthony Lynn seemed like he always was just bad with time management and using timeouts and running the ball when you shouldn't do this. It just seemed like he was just always doing something backwards than what it should have been. So I think the Chargers is a good hire. I think there's a lot of people out there for that. I want to see Eric Bieniemy maybe get the Chargers job. Uh, Doug Peterson just became available. Buffalo's offensive coordinator might be. I want to get an offensive guy in there with Justin Herbert. They still got talent around him. Good at the running back position with Eckler, Keenan Allen. They still got Hunter Henry and the defense with Nick Bosa. And Melvin Ingram should be solid. So I like the Chargers. That's a good hire. Not only living in Los Angeles, but that's a good roster. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just going to say that just because, like, they they have won in the past. I mean, they are a year removed from making the playoffs, three years removed from winning the Super Bowl, and it's still talent there. They just got to – Eagles lost a lot of games just because of bad quarterback play this year. Let's be honest. Bad quarterback play and sometimes bad coaching. That might be why Peterson is out of a job now. But I still think they got a nice roster. I still think they got a good team. I think they can compete. I think that's a good hire. Uh, Houston Texans, only because of Deshaun Watson. I just think the Texans are general manager. They just, it's just been horrible. They've done some bad things over the last couple of years, and that's why they went from a playoff team to a bad team and one of the worst records in the league. And it's just, if you're going to take this job, it's basically because you have Deshaun Watson and you try your best to keep him because he's unhappy right now. I mean, they don't have a first-round pick, so you lose all these games, have one of the worst records in the league. You don't have a first-round pick because you traded that to Miami for Laramie Tunstall. So that even makes the DeAndre Hopkins trade even worse. You trade DeAndre Hopkins away, knowing you don't have a first-round draft pick coming in next year, and you don't even get a first-round draft pick for him. It makes no sense. The Texans are going to continue to be one of the worst teams in the league, I think, even next year with a new coach, even with Watson coming back. I think he deserves better, and I think J.J. Watt deserves better to go play for a contender for the last couple of years of his that he has left that, you know, he'll be good and he's in his prime. I would go say, can I go play for a winner? I think he deserves that, and I think Houston should at least consider it. And the last job is the, the Detroit Lions. I mean, I just don't know what to think with the Lions. They just seem like they can't get it right with anything. Draft, GM, coach. There's just no exciting players out there for me with the Lions. Matt Stafford, I mean, he can't stay healthy. He's, I think he, if I was him, I would want to go somewhere else. I think this franchise is, might be the worst franchise in football. It's toss up between them and the Jets. But I think the Jets did a good hire, and I just don't seem like the Lions can never get the coaching you know position right I mean they change more coaches than I change you know my socks and my underwear and maybe they'll get it right but I just don't see it no time so I wouldn't recommend the Lions job but I mean I heard they might interview Todd Bowles I you know I I want better for Todd Bowles I mean I want to have a better standard maybe something better come up next year I wouldn't take the Lions job because I think the Lions job is going like you'll be there two maybe three years and you get fired, you're going to have to go back to just being a coordinator. Like, people who get fired from the Lions, they stick. They got to be a coordinator for the rest of their career. They don't get another head coaching job opportunities. And that's just the way it is. Maybe they'll figure it out. But those are the coaching vacancies. Those are the, the best options from who I think ha- has the best, uh, best opening to the worst opening. And we'll see how it goes.
Does the NBA need to go back into the bubble? It's been a lot of players with a lot of positive tests, a lot of games that had to be canceled because of this going on. And I don't I just don't see it getting no better. I think this is going to something that's going to go on all year. Players, you know, catching the vibes have to sit out a certain amount of games, games being canceled, games being pushed back. Can the NBA afford to keep doing this? How long will the season go on? You know, is it going to have to be paused or stopped for a minute to set up the bubble? But I think we're leaning towards that either pausing the season again and going to the bubble or just not playing at all. Because I think the way is, you know, leaning towards, I mean, a lot of games are going to get postponed, going to have to be made up. You know, you got star players missing games. You got uh, George Hill saying, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm going to go do what I want to do. So, I mean, are they be- even being responsible? You've seen Kyrie Irving out dancing at birthday parties, and guys are going to do what they want to do. I mean, they just going to, you know, I don't know. The bubble was set up where, hey, we got you here. We got you. We know what you're doing. Nobody's leaving the campus, and there was no positive positive tests but now you got people back at home around their family in their city and you know I don't know how this is going to work I mean like I said you really didn't have no issues with the bubble other than Lou Williams sneaking out to get wings but other than that it really was no issues you got the season taken care of got to play to the end and you crowned the champion with this year I don't know how do you do that without creating a bubble it's going to be interesting. I think Adam Silver has a has a dilemma here that he needs to figure out. And I'm hoping we get basketball all the way through June. But I can't promise you that they won't pause this season pretty soon and, you know, see what they need to figure out and how can we continue. It's going to be interesting to see. Thanks for joining.